Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. So I want to talk to you about something that's relevant to us being here today. Now I was reading about the Stampede Breakfast every year. So we are having our own Stampede Breakfast here, but I was reading about the Stampede Breakfast. More than 20,000 people this year chowed down on pancakes and food at the Stampede Grounds. Isn't that amazing? 20,000 people. So that's a lot of disposable forks, knives, and plates. But for you that are ecologically friendly, you should feel very, very encouraged. Out of 20,000 people, the only waste that came out of it was a single garbage bag weighing 13 kilograms. The rest of it was recycled. Isn't that amazing? I don't know, let's just bask in that for a minute, especially those, I was impressed with that. I mean, that's that's a lot of people, that's a lot of junk. And the only reason I give you that statistic is not that we're gonna focus on that, but can you imagine if you showed up for a 20,000 member Stampede breakfast and all there was was five pancakes and two sausages. How would you feel about that? See, we had a lot more food than that today. But can you imagine if everybody there this year was fed because there was five pancakes and two sausages? Do you think that might hit the news? I think that might hit international news. Calgary Stampede Pancake Breakfast Miracle. That's what it would be, right? We don't know how it happened. There was only five pancakes and two sausages, but somehow there was even food left over. Now that blows our minds to think about that happening. And yet that's what happened with Jesus in the Bible. It's one of those amazing stories that if you don't really think about it, it's just like, oh yeah, he fed 5,000 people. But if you really pause and think about it, actually that was 5,000 men. Many people figure that with women and children at it, it's probably 11,000. So not far off the stampede breakfast. Be very similar. And you imagine the news that would spread. I mean, they didn't have the internet, social media right? They didn't have that. But if they did, there would have been pictures of Jesus standing there with the food. There would have been pictures of people eating the food. There would have been pictures of the food left over. Everybody would have been marveling at what was going on. And so what what an amazing story. Now, I want to just highlight a few thoughts from it today for you, because I think it applies to us here. Obviously, it better because I wouldn't be sharing on it if it didn't, right? So other words, yes, pastor, be relevant. Uh, That would be good if we went home with something. So I want to give you some thoughts here today. So here's what happened, just to recount the story. Jesus goes to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and it says a great crowd of people followed him. Why? Because they saw signs and he had performed by healing the sick. Interesting, when there's healing, when God's doing something, people want to be there, don't they? Because he's the source. So people were flocking after Jesus because... In in spite of no social media, they had heard that people were being healed, that people were being touched. And so it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. Now, his disciples probably had no idea what was going on here or what was going to happen. They saw the people coming, but if I were the disciples, I'd be thinking they come at their own risk, right? You know what? If you're going to come in midday, then you better be prepared. Bring a lunch, right? Prepare. Um, you know, don't expect us to take care of it. I don't think his disciples were thinking about it at all. But here's what happens. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he says to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Hey, Phil, 
Where are we going to get bread to feed these people? Philip's probably thinking, I never even thought we would. Really? Is that part of the deal? Did we promote that? Did we tell them that if they came today, they'd get a meal? Like, do we owe them something? What are you talking about, Jesus? We're going to get them a meal. Now, it says Jesus only asked this to test him. Do you realize that when Jesus asks us questions sometimes, it's just to test us? He already knows the answer. You realize that, right? He knows the answer. Hey, so, Ian... Um, yeah, when he, when he asks me a question, it's because he knows the answer. He wants me to figure it out. So he asked Philip, and says he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So he knew what he was going to do here, but they didn't know. If I were the disciples, I'd be breaking into a sweat, right? And look what Philip says. He, he quickly looks at the crowd, and he says, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. In other words, like, this is massive, Jesus, like, not, you know, he's thinking logistics. Where are we going to get this food? Are we going to, you know, go to another community? Is there trucks involved? I mean, 20, you know, 11,000 people. This is not a minor feat. I mean, look what happened today. I mean, we had a whole bunch of, uh, you know, syrup left over. It's kind of like the Bible story, except it's syrup, right? We'll be giving that over away to you at the end, right? It's a little souvenir, right, Bev? Some syrup. Anyway, so... Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and he said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Five small barley loaves and two small fish. I mean, let's think about this. Would you even bother pointing that out to Jesus if you were, hey, Jesus, I don't know if this is going to help, but I just found a kid and I ripped his food off and it's five <laughs> barley loaves and two fish. <laughs> Now, I think the child willingly gave the food. I can't see the disciples stealing the food from him. I think that'd be unkind and wrong for the apostles, right? So I think they, he must have said, okay, hey, little boy, would you be willing to contribute to this massive crowd? Okay, right? Gives his food. So Jesus says, have the people sit down. There were plenty of grass in the place, and they sat down. I think when it says plenty of grass... It's not talking about post-legalization of marijuana. I'm just saying, just for those that might, their mind might go somewhere. There's plenty of grass, plenty of places to sit. And they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. So they figure maybe about 11,000 people. Jesus then took the loaves and he gave thanks. So imagine this. He gets the loaves in his hands and he distributes to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Now, actually, another, another gospel says that Jesus gave it to his disciples who then gave it to the people. So Jesus takes these five loaves and two fish. Looks kind of ridiculous, right? All these people are watching him. I think we're going to go hungry today, Sarah. Right? Like they're talking to each other because they're looking at this going, I think Jesus is going to have a meal and that's it. But Jesus holds the fish up and the food and he blesses it. And then he starts giving it to his disciples who start giving it to the people. And as they start giving it out, the little bit they have starts to multiply. And somehow, they all get fed. Would you like to watch this in heaven? I always talk about the big video room. This is one of the ones I got to see. I'd like them to zoom in so I could actually see what's happening to the food as Jesus gives it away. Like, I'd like to see, is it like just growing in his hands? Like, how's this happening? But it happens. And so, it says that... They gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Jesus said, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Isn't that interesting? 
Back to my stampede analogy. Jesus would have liked the stampede this year, oh, right? Yeah. Very little waste. Jesus yeah. would have been, thumbs up, stampede. I'm into that. Don't waste any food, Jesus said. Collect it. Twelve baskets were left over. Wow. Not only did 11,000 people get fed by five loaves and two fishes, there was 12 baskets left over. You might say one for each disciple. I don't know how they you know, got rid of it, but that's quite a bit. And after the people saw the sign, they began to say, "This surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. You know, if you want to impress people, work with food. That's what I get out of this, right? Like People are like, man, that was good food. I feel full. This must be God. That's what they're feeling. And they wanted to make Jesus king by force. And then he withdrew because it wasn't his time to be glorified and lifted up. So let me just give you a few quick points here today from this. Some thoughts for us that apply it to our lives. First is this. The need for food was very great, right? It was much greater than their resources. Let me ask you a question. Is the need for spiritual food in this world today very great? Yes. Is it much greater than your and my resources? Is the need on your block in your in Calgary or wherever you live greater than your resources? Yes. It is. Much greater. In fact, most of what you and I have is like five loaves and two fish compared to the need around us, isn't it? Yes. Now, we can either be like the kid in the story or we can be those who go, why bother? There's no hope, right? Why bother? We got five loaves, two fish and 11,000 people. Let's just send them home, Jesus. It's over. It's impossible to make a difference. Jesus says, what do you have? That's how he deals with it. Jesus knew the need was too great for them, but he still asked them anyway how they would meet it. He knew it was too great for them, but he still said, what are you going to do about it? Interesting, eh? I think he does that with us. I think he knows he knows very well the need is too great for you and I to make a difference on our own. But he says, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to contribute to make change? How are you going to leverage what you have? I think that's what he does. And he lets us think about it. He wanted them to understand it was impossible, but also give them a sense it was their responsibility to meet the need. It's like, this is impossible, guys, but I still want you to know you're responsible. That doesn't seem fair, Jesus. It's impossible, but it's our responsibility. That's what he's saying. But here's the, here's the thing that they had to understand is that he was involved. He's saying it's your responsibility to make a difference. But hey, when you step out to make the difference, I'll create the miracle in your hands. I'll actually do something that only I can do when you step out and do what only you can do. Isn't that amazing? And I'm getting myself preaching happy here just talking about this. So there are likely many people that brought a lunch that day. Do you think there was only one kid in the whole crowd who had the foresight? It's probably his mom, right? Yeah. Son, you're going out today uh, to see that guy, Jesus. And uh, I think it's going to be a long meeting. Here, take this lunch. Oh, mom, I don't want to take the lunch. Yeah, no, take the lunch, son. You never know. Here's a bit of water, too. I don't know. I'm not sure, but he had the lunch. I bet there's others that had the lunch too, though. But let me just say something. Maybe the kid felt at first like he was being ripped off by having to give his lunch. But in the end, we don't know his name, but we, we know about him. And we know about his lunch. His lunch is famous. 
five loaves and two fish. We know about his lunch because he gave it to Jesus. Now, there might have been other people there with a bigger lunch, but they never gave it to Jesus. They kept the lunch for themselves. Hello? Hear what I'm saying? They might have had more, but they never gave it to Jesus. But the kid with the little lunch, he gave it to Jesus, and Jesus did something with the lunch. How many times do we think that what we have is too little? And so rather than do something with what we have, we don't do anything. You ever done that? You don't have to put your hand up. <laughs> we all have at some point, right? Oh, you know what? God giving that money towards that giant need, my little bit of money, what difference would it make? God says, it's your little bit of money and it'll make a big difference and I can do something with it. Oh God, what would my little bit of time do to affect the world? It's just a small thing. I can only give this much time, so I won't give any time. God says, you know what? The time you can give, if you give that time, I'll make a difference. Oh Lord, my ability, I'm not that great. I'm not a great musician. I don't know how to do these things well. I think I'll wait till I'm really good. I won't bother doing anything. God says, you know what? Give it to me while it's still in development. I'll use it anyway. And you watch what I do with it. Yes. Sometimes we're perfectionistic. We wait until everything's just right. And we miss the lunch moments when we could already be doing something. So the little boy had not much to offer, but when he put it in Jesus' hands, it was multiplied and became a miracle that fed thousands. The key for all of us is our willingness to yield our limited resources to God so that he can make a difference in the lives of those around us. Here's what 2 Corinthians tells us. I love this passage. 2 Corinthians 8, it's a passage where Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and he's encouraging them to finish the job of collecting a um, offering for others. There, there was a, a problems happening in the world and so they were collecting money to give to other people. And Paul's encouraging them to finish the job. Hey guys, you, you, you started this offering. You started this process. I want to just encourage you to finish it. Get it done. Make sure it gets completed. I know you had a good... Anybody here ever good at starting things but not finishing things? Yep. I've been there, right? And that project you have started is staring at you. Or your wife is reminding you that it's still there. Yeah. Talking from experience here. Anyway, so good to start. Maybe not so good to finish. And, and Paul's saying, hey, guys, finish the job. So here's what he says to them to encourage. He says, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Here's the problem sometimes. We, again, compare what we have to give. And so we think, well, I don't have a lot to give compared to that guy or that woman. Or, you know, what I have to give is so little. Jesus doesn't even say he compares. He goes, you know what? I, I don't compare you with anybody else. I don't look at you and say, well, you're right. I give you a pass compared to that person. You don't have a lot. No, he says, whatever you have, if you're willing to give it, the gift's acceptable, whether it's big or small. Isn't it interesting in the Bible that some one of the gifts that, that we remember is the, the woman that gave everything she had. And it was, what was it, two, two minus? What was the amount? Really small amount of money. It said that Jesus, now think about this, folks. Jesus was at the temple watching people put money in the plate. How many people think the offering might be greater that week? I mean, if Jesus watched me put the offering, I'm, 
You know, it's kind of like, you ever heard the story of the gang members that were taking up the offering for Nikki Cruz's crusade? And they would, they would, <laughs> they would come up with the, Nikki Cruz was like a former gang member who got saved. They were coming up with a basket. They would hold it in front of the people. People would pull out a dollar, put it in. And if they didn't feel it was enough, they'd just hold it there and stare at them. And people got way more generous, right? They were like reaching in, you know. And that, that, I think if I knew Jesus was watching me at the temple, I think that would be me. Uh, here's $2. Oh, Jesus is watching. By the way, he is always watching, right, folks? He is always watching. So this woman, he sees this woman, and she gives everything she has, but it's just like two little coins. And Jesus comments to his disciples. He says, that woman right there, she gave more than everybody else. Because she gave out of her need, and they gave out of their excess. Do you see how Jesus thinks? He doesn't look at it like, that's five loaves, two fish, that's nothing. He goes, hey, that, that's that kid's whole lunch. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to use it. So what's the point today? Well, the point is this. What are the gifts, as limited as they seem, which the Lord wants you to submit for his use? We all have three things we can give to God. Our time, our talents, our abilities, and our treasure, our money. We have three things. Time's finite, right? As I stand here, time is ticking away, right? Tick, tick, ticking away. We have time. We have talents. We have abilities. Sometimes we bury them. Sometimes we use them. And we have money. How do we use those? What do we do? I want to encourage you that you can probably and I can probably do more than we think. Because sometimes we just feel like we're done. I remember with time, I remember a, a time where I was in Bible school, and so uh, isn't it good to know your pastor went to Bible school? <laughs> it's good for me to throw that in every now and again just so you feel encouraged. Oh, thank the Lord. He isn't preaching heresy. He does have some training. Anyway, so I went to Bible school, and, and I would work early in the kitchen uh, every day, most days, like doing pots and pans, and then our, our day started at 7.30 with classes. Then we worked in the afternoon, then we had homework in the evening. It was pretty full. So by the time Friday night came, even though I was like 20 years old, I was tired Friday night. I remember often Friday nights, I'm like, I just, it's been a long week. I just want to go to bed. But then we had Friday night witnessing. We'd go to downtown Portland. We'd go to Portland Square, other places, and we'd just share the gospel. I actually really always enjoyed that. So every Friday night, it was like a battle for me. I'd come back from a full day and I'd be like, my, my body's going, go to bed. You're tired. Don't do this. And and yet I battle because I go, well, I could do that, but but then I'd always think, but there's people I won't talk to tonight if I do that. There's people down in Portland here that I get to share the gospel with. I'm sure I will, but I'll be lying in bed. Hmm. And so ultimately I go, I'm gonna go. Even though I felt really tired, my flesh was yelling, no, right? That's what was going on. But my spirit was going, good job, Ian, good job. So I go downtown every time I get to share with somebody. Every time I would be pumped up. I don't know about you, but sharing the gospel with somebody, sharing the good news is the most exciting thing in the world. And it supersedes my fatigue. So I would always come back primed, like pumped up, like not even thinking I'm tired anymore. How does that happen? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 11, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. See, 
I gave out of my five loaves, two fish. I didn't have a lot left. The tank was empty, but I gave it. And God said, you refresh other people out of your tiredness. You give to them sacrificially when you don't feel like it. I'm going to show up and bless you. And I come home primed. You know what I think the problem is for some of us? I'll put myself in the same category. The reason we get so weary and tired and bored is that we're bored. And sometimes we're not doing the things God called us to do. And so we're just, we're just weary. We think that more rest and more relaxation is going to make us feel better. And I don't know about you, but I find it doesn't. I think the biggest issue is what's God calling me to do and how can I do it? The second thing, another quick illustration, this relates to our church. We have a, a group of people that go every month to the mustard seed, last Saturday of the month. I got to go this last time. It was great. Often I'm away. But this last time I went and it was super. And, you know, you go there and there's like several things like one is locker duty the other is giving away clothes the other is hygiene computer room and you know it might seem tedious and kind of like oh yeah you know i'm just doing these things but those that go long term they get to know the people they get to minister to them right jerry jerry's in charge of that now for our church jerry klein god bless you jerry You're doing a good job with that and you know what when we give out like that or any way we give out, God comes. And so I did that a week ago, and it was really good. Even though I felt tired when I went, when I came back, I thought, that was really good. God used me. So the point I want to make today is just that whatever we have, and that might be in our neighborhood, with our family, at, at our workplace, whatever we have, God says, use it for me. Even if it seems small, even if your time your talent, your treasure doesn't feel like it's enough. It isn't enough. But if we use it, God will do something through it. And it'll be a blessing to ourselves. And it'll be a blessing to other people. And he'll use us to reach others. Would you stand with me today? I want to pray for you. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.